and welcome back everyone or if this is your first time I'm so glad that you're joining us a small note before we begin to sit uh, this will be our final uh, inquiry meeting uh, for this year on the 22nd and 29th right before Christmas and New Year's um, it's typically the time that Appamata would be uh, closed. Of course, the building has been closed for quite a while, but uh, the programs will uh, be in abeyance for a couple of weeks, a good number of them, including inquiry at least. And then it's likely that we will um, initiate um, our new uh, inquiry series same time on the 5th. We'll, we'll confirm that. Through the email. Uh, I might likely not be there on the 5th, but one of our other teachers will likely um, host that inquiry, and I would encourage you to come to support and encourage and listen to the teachings um, of one of our other Appamata teachers. So let's, let's begin our sitting. As the sound of the bell fades, <clears throat> turn your attention, if you haven't yet, to your body. And as we sit in, in Zazen, we begin by adjusting our, our posture, even if you're sitting in an ordinary chair or um, if for some reason you even need to lie down, but sit in a way that, or orient yourself in a way that has some uprightness and dignity and wakefulness to it, being very kind to yourself and expressing a kindness with your body, even if you invite some sort of attention and, and gentle effort to sit in Zazen. Mm -hmm. It's not a time of just um, waiting. And because others can't see you, we remember the gentle encouragement of when you're alone, practice as if you're with others, because you are. And when you're with others, practice as if you're alone, without comparison offering your own attention, your own wholehearted effort to sitting as an expression of your Buddha nature. As these minutes of celebration and expression and acknowledgement of your wholeness, with as much kindness as you can bring, to your body. Sometimes kindness feels a bit like forgiveness. Ultimately, acceptance. And of course, you notice that you're breathing. And without manipulating your breath, simply attend once again with kindness 
taking good care of your breath. as your breath takes care of you. In one meeting with students in the old scriptures of the Buddha, he was asked how to meet difficult emotions. As we sit with our body, offering it to our practice and our breath, we also notice our thoughts and feelings. When the Buddha was asked, how to practice with difficult emotions or thoughts. He said, gaze upon them with kindness and remain still. And we equally meet whatever arises in our body, mind, in our heart with kindness. a willingness to meet what's there, even if it's difficult. Not as an agreement or a disagreement, but just the simplicity of intimacy. Feeling the qualities of sensations in our body. the flavors and fragrances and colors of our thoughts and feelings. As they move, arising and passing away, some hanging around longer because they require our intimacy and attention without manipulation or judgment are remaining still. imagine offering that same kindness that you bring to your own body and breath, to your own heart and mind, and offering it to all those who are connected through this little portal right now, nearly 70 people. And if you offer your kindness, pouring it out through this device, this little square, a strange thing sometimes, know that all of those people out there are 
offering their kindness back to you. And curiously, the only one you can see right now is yourself. If you were to open your eyes and see your image, or even just imagine it. Be kind to yourself first. Offering your kindness to all those sitting with you, even though you can't see them. And equally receiving their kindness, which they're offering back to you. In the old parlance of my childhood, it's as if there's a large circle of prayer surrounding you. As you sit upright with some dignity, some celebration of expression of your, of your true nature, and your willingness to both give and receive as if they're one thing. Breathing in, breathing out, taking good care of your breath. taking good care of each other. Gaze upon your life, everything around you, and remaining still as a powerful offering. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. <clears throat> recently listening to a Dharma talk, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, in the um, my little traveling Buddha hall, which some of you have too, called your car. <laughs> in my pickup, I was driving and listening as I drive to Dharma talks. And I was listening to one that was coming from the uh, archives of the San Francisco Zen Center, a recent talk. 
And there's an introduction that speaks to um, the place from which the Dharma talk is coming and the gratitude for your support, similar to what we do at the end of our inquiry sessions here. <clears throat> and as it began, I heard the voice of my teacher, uh, Zenke Blanche Hartman. Because several of the senior teachers there have made these recordings and they rotate through each of the Dharma talks, just as a beginning and an ending. And although she's died, they've kept her voice as one of the voices echoing. And to hear her voice was a bit of a shock. I, I didn't expect it. It's so distinctive to me. And it went right into my heart. She would remind us that Suzuki Roshi used to say, see everyone as Buddha. See each being as Buddha. See yourself as Buddha. And if we're all Buddha, <clears throat> if we're all interconnected like that, then our experience will eventually be of an all-encompassing love. I remember working for so many years with Seton Cove, a wonderful spiritual education center associated with, with what was at the time a Seton Hospital in Austin and a family of hospitals, which is now part of Ascension Health. And as many of you know, I would often also work with um, people who had severe medical illnesses. And when I would go to the hospital and wait for the elevator to go whatever floor I would go to, I would see the, the statement of the Sisters of Charity um, right where you would press the button for the elevator. And among other things it said, which is not a surprising statement, it's somewhat universal in, in Christian settings like that, see everyone as Christ, treat everyone as the body of Christ. There's something universal about this invitation. See everyone as the Buddha, see everyone as wakefulness, see everyone as an expression of the divine, if you want to call it that. See each being in this way and see yourself in that same way. You know, th this is the actual function of our practice. And it's actually in the foundation, of course, of this time of year to see the best and what is possible for each of us, for all beings, and to see or call forward and, and to, to attend to the light that's coming, the new dawning, um, as it's sometimes spoken of, at least in the new year and the symbolic nature of a new year, new possibilities. So for me, you know, having that understanding or at least hearing the teachings, whether I understood it quite fully or not, And spending time with, with my teacher in the years that I did and watching and learning from her by simply being with her day to day, that, that's how she taught me. I followed her around and helped her doing the things she needed to do as a senior teacher as the, part of the time when she was abbess at San Francisco Zen Center and seeing how she treated other people and how she treated me. Even when she was a guest in her own home in Austin, when she came to teach, how she treated Heron, how she treated a teacup, her bed, everything. All this was very uh, meaningful. And this is, I think, the hope of this particular season. And I hope you'll have this experience in your own life an experience of this heartwarming connection with everyone, with all beings, 
and most importantly, maybe with yourself. We're all interwoven with each other. I am in you and you are in me and we hear these teachings over and over and over, but to actually come into the living realization of this deep connection. That you have and are part of, quite naturally, this deep intimacy with all being. This actually is the greatest gift that you can receive and the greatest gift that you can offer in this season of gift giving. This kindness through intimacy and a profound acceptance of yourself and other people is the greatest gift that you can give. And it's equally the greatest gift you can receive in this season in which we're looking for symbols to represent the actual gift of, of this kind of life. Blanche used to talk about um, an old-fashioned term, I think, in Zen training called step ladder Zen. <laughs> she would say, most of us start with step ladder Zen. In other words, we attempt to do this practice and that one and climb up to some better place as if awakening were something you could climb to reach. I know I came to practice in that way because I felt not so great and I wanted to, I thought if I practice well, uh, follow the instructions for meditation, trying to understand the teachings as best I could, waiting expectantly for some you know, future result if I just tried hard enough. And I engaged this kind of practice uh, to the best of my ability, and in doing so, I had very consistent results, mostly dissatisfaction, if not a real feeling of failure. It was the proverbial um, wrong letter or the wrong wall, you know. I've, I've come to see and I've repeatedly had to learn, I think, that this striving orientation to practice is the same orientation to my life that brought me to practice. The suffering connected to all of that striving, always trying to be better, to do better, to undo what I thought was not right or good about myself. That's what brought me to practice. And then I turned practice into the same thing, striving to be better. But even if you have great posture, you follow your breath or whatever instructions you're given by your teacher, you try to engage to be a really good student whatever that is in your mind. And all of us have these maps, whether we know it or not. If we engage practice in that way, then your zazen and your practice will be pretty lifeless. The whole purpose of your sitting and all the other practices you're given is in the end to be kind to yourself, all of them, or an encouragement for you to be kind to yourself. If you take good care of your sitting, you arrange your posture with care and give yourself time to find a balanced, stable, not just a relaxed as in lax, but a way in which you can settle take good care of your body, and that you're gentle and kind with your breath. Each breath, that's why we attend to the breath, so we don't forget it. And we're just kindly, it's like one of my teachers said, it's, it's like following a child 
in an airport back when we were in airports doing this. If you follow a toddler, you don't want to tie him to the seat. Or you might think about that sometime. And you don't want to turn your back and let him or her wander off and, you know, get lost or get hurt. You stay right there following and letting them experiment a little bit and offering protection and guidance. This is the way we are with our body and our breath. If you soften your fighting with your thinking or struggling with your feelings, those ways in which we attempt to get away, if you are kind to yourself, each of these things in each moment and with each arising, then you will literally breathe life into your practice, into your sitting, and into your relationships. Do, do you remember the Metta Sutta, the Sutra of Loving Kindness that I went through and spoke about, I think, around Thanksgiving? And there was a segment that's very touching to many of you, you reported, that says, even as a mother at the risk of her life, watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind, should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world. That's just a small paragraph in the larger sutra. <clears throat> a loving mother or father is naturally kind to their child, like the image I was just describing, and would do whatever is needed to protect them, to encourage them cherishing them, loving them, being kind to them. And this is our practice orientation towards ourselves. It is the way to engage all the forms and practices offered by your teachers. They're invitations for ways to be kind to yourself, not to be harsh or restrictive. The line says, suffusing love over the entire world that includes you. The entire world includes you. It's not the world in you. All around without limit, including you. Cultivating an infinite goodwill toward yourself. This is the way to practice. We're all pretty good at self-criticism and even shaming ourselves sometimes. Because most of us have practiced these things for years, and we get really good at them. Remember, you get good at what you practice. So pay attention to what you're practicing, what's automatic, these lifelong habits. And notice the results. And then be kind to yourself with what you discover. Our practice, remember, is to be kind to ourselves and to each other, which calls forward all parts of ourselves, all aspects, so we can accept ourselves and really be ourselves. This is the function of practice. Not to be some model of a Zen student or a, whatever image you might have, but to be ourselves. And this is the greatest kindness of all. to be kind to all those parts which carry pain and suffering toward whom we're often not so kind, to accept the parts of us which are glorious and wonderful and accept them as possible and real. Even when our practices seem challenging and confront our habits and preferences, this is a kindness that is heart-breakingly necessary. In a moment of frustration years ago, when my practice was stretched and my heart was breaking in this way, I once said to a student who was arguing with me about things needing to go her way, I said, you may not get what you want, but you can become the kind of person you'd like to be. I wasn't talking about her becoming her ego ideal, and I wasn't encouraging her to turn her practice into an endless self-improvement project, I was reminding her 
that her own unkindness to herself was manifesting as the relentless and impossible demand that everything should go her way. Thinking that this would bring satisfaction, but that stance was the one that was guaranteeing her suffering. Our preferences are often frustrated, but we can enter the kind generosity of discipline, remembering what we truly want, our deepest request. And remember the kind of people we really respect and admire, the qualities we want to cultivate and sustain in ourselves and in other people. We can, as Suzuki Roshi also reminded us, polish one small corner of the universe. And we do that first by being kind to ourselves, taking good care of our bodies and sitting, caring for our breath, turning each form and practice uh, not into a job to do or an assignment to complete to get a good grade, like enlightenment or fail, but to offer ourselves to each practice fully and wholeheartedly with great devotion and attention. Like the Metasutra says, even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child. One last small quotation from Blanche, which is in, in her book, Seeds for a Boundless Life. She said, the capacity for kindness is in each one of us. Will we cultivate it? All these qualities that we appreciate in people are in us. And we can cultivate those qualities and make them alive in the world by our own practice effort. And as we become more intimate with each other and with ourselves, we can help each other polish up those qualities that we like, those qualities which lead to harmony and affection and appreciation. And we can make the Sangha what we want it by making ourselves who we want to be. That, that's a lot of power, and you have it. And all of this comes through the energy of kindness. The greatest gift that you can give this holiday and the greatest gift you can receive So please um, raise your hand if you'd like, and we can meet and discuss your practice around this simplicity of, of kindness. Are you there? There you are. Yes, here I am. Hi, Flint. Hi. Hi, thank you. So nice to see you. Um, so uh, this talk was very apt for two reasons for me. I had something that I wanted to ask you about and um, your talk sort of gave it a little bit different kind of focus. Um, I uh, recently started a spiritual friendship with someone in the Sangha and we have been meeting uh, weekly. Um, and about a month ago we started and I suggested that we read a book together. So we've been reading uh, Joko Beck's Everyday Zen. Yes. That's very helpful to have this connection with both kind of beginners. Mm -hmm. And um, recently, Peg, in her last, after, after her last Dharma talk, we were together in a breakout room. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to her about my beginning practice, and she was telling me about hers with Joko Beck. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned the documentary about Joko Beck. Mm -hmm. So I suggested to my friend, let's watch this and discuss it. So we watched it and we met on Monday, I guess that was yesterday. And um, it was something that was upsetting to me. And I was, the first chapter was great. We, you know, I really got a lot out of it. And then she began to talk a little bit about psychotherapy. And as you know, I'm psychotherapist, you have had a practice. And um, when she said that, um, something like, I'm sorry, I don't have the quote, but um, 
some people go to psychotherapy, but you know, I kind of like, I think Zen could, for most people, Zen could really do it all, except for maybe, you know, people that have deeper problems, something like this. And, oh, and then it was something like, and I, I you know, I'm kind of a psychotherapist, some, something like that in, in, the, in the film. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, I, I was really trying not to take this personally. And, um, but I, I didn't read a word after that in the book. You know, I was really kind of struggling with this. So the question, and I want, I, she has so much to offer me and I could tell that. And I don't want to be blocked by this, you know, this disagreement from what I understand. There's nobody to really, I can't really talk to her about it. So anyway, I'm talking to you. And my question is how to, when there's a kind of a disappointment like that, mm-hmm. um, how to, um, not let that get in the way of accepting all the rest that could be offered, you know, to me. Are you willing to forgive her? Oh, <laughs> do I have to? Um, what does that mean? What does you, that mean? Yeah. I was just going to say, after what you just said in, in your talk, I think I need to because I, I, I don't think I could go further without and you but there's part of you that knows there's a lot for you to gain if you don't stop yourself with the resentment or some maybe limitation that she might have had that we all have as teachers exactly right and uh, one of the first times that i was able to visit her it was later in her life big and known her for many many years i uh, we sent her um a large document on the Hakomi Loving Presence Practices, which is kind of an applied Buddhism. And by the time Peg and I got there, she had read the entire thing. She was around 90 years old. And she said, this is important stuff. I need to learn more about this. And she was extremely receptive. And we were there during a day of sitting in which she saw everyone that came in a private interview. And then she was going to give a Dharma talk. And Peg and I were the last two people in line. We saw her last. And so it was only a few minutes before we were going to go in. And Joko said, oh, by the way, to me, you're going to give the talk and then you're going to do that thing you do. (laughs) I said, "Uh, you mean inquiry? And I'm supposed to yeah, yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) With no preparation, I sat on her little red leather sofa next to her. And Peg and I talked together about practices. And then person by person came and sat on the other side of me. And Joko was very pleased. She said, this is something we need to know how to do. And she was still learning and still asking us to offer things to her. Because she realized that awakening isn't something that happens. It's, It's an ongoing relational function. She was distressed for some of her Dharma heirs. Maybe didn't spend so much time with her anymore once they got Dharma transmission as if like something was done. He said, no, that transmission is something that's alive. You keep alive like the flowers by watering them. So keep your practice alive. Forgive her for being human. Let go of the things that don't quite fit that she's still trying to learn wherever she is. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll keep learning too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think continually forgiving each other for being ourselves is such a crucial function. And it comes in, you could see with Rosemary and myself, it comes with a good bit of uh, grief to actually come to self-acceptance. Hi, Suzanne. Am I here? I just... Uh, I think you're here. Do you feel okay. like you're here? <laughs> okay, I do. <laughs> well, not really. I see you and I hear you. Okay, I get it. I got it. Okay. Um, thank you for the meditation. The last three inquiries have spoken so directly to me. 
especially I just want to look back on my notes, especially the one on December 1st, when you talked about waiting for what's coming. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Talking about Advent and this time of season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But today's was about your, your, your saying that or guiding us in how to how to be with our feelings with kindness and just before i got on i had a really lovely conversation with my friend afrat about the last few days i've had waves and waves of variety of feeling pining for my clients who i don't see anymore Um, fears about what's coming up, about my long hospitalization and recovery, um, pining for my family who I can't see in person. You know, all of that is just just huge waves. And a big part of that for me was feeling really so much appreciation that I know that I was, that I've been training in how to be with this all. Otherwise, it would feel like a tsunami. You know, you, you never know what you're practicing for, and then it arrives. And then it arrives, right. And I've yeah. thought that a number of times over the years. Oh, this is what it's been all for. <laughs> and, now, and now this. And all of them are true. <laughs> and all of them are true. And now this. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, this is what it's for. Or this is what I can bring it to. Um, so I don't have a question specifically, maybe other than, um, you know, adding to what you said, especially when we're having waves of intensity. I mean, my pining yesterday was, so I included thoughts of, oh, I, I should contact them. Oh, I, you know, and I go, no, that's not my function. That's not my place anymore. In between, when Rosemary was getting off and you were coming on, did you hear what I said about grief? I did not. No, because my all of a sudden my computer went out. Right, right. I didn't think so. What I said as an afterthought, I said one of the important aspects of forgiveness, self and other, is the grief that comes with it. Yeah. Um, and forgiveness isn't like oh it's okay. It means to not hold on, to begin to let go, and make life flow back into where life had stopped flowing yeah. often requires a good bit of grief because we let go of the idea of how we wish it would have been, how we hoped it could have been, we, you know, the regret, all that. What oh, we that yeah. There's so that's much grief that comes to forget with forgiveness and ultimately then acceptance. When Joko, you know, wouldn't really use the word Buddha that much. He would just use life as it is. Right. So, oh, this Buddha, this is the Buddha showing up now. This is, in other words, this is awake reality showing up like this. Yeah. Because what else is there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad Rose, Rosemary brought up what she did because I remember reading yeah. um, uh, Joko's books and disagreeing with, especially her thoughts about psychotherapy and going, she hasn't had enough experience with that yet. And, you know, and being really glad that I could hold both. I could disagree and I could hold her in high regard and esteem for the teacher that she was. And I was so grateful for that. And that doesn't mean I don't I don't come through I don't have those kind of things happen um, right. with other teachers. But um I, I think that's really important, whether we're psychotherapists or we're on the other side of the of the chair, the other chair, or um or in any other circumstance. To be able to hold both and hold all. Mm-hmm. What, what you just said about grief, I that that's the other big thing that is coming up for me right now is I'm kind of looking at my life and going, oh, I should have done that. Or, oh, I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Or, why didn't I do that? You know, that sort of thing. And I know it's all an expression of grief mm-hmm. about what's past and done and what I gave my time to, which is I'm really glad that I did. And there wasn't room for all of these other things that I was interested in. And, uh, but there's just, this is, this is all surfacing right yeah, now. That's why I call it that heartbreaking necessity. Yeah, okay. Disciplining yourself to yeah. gazing upon it with kindness and remaining still. 
Another historical note, you know, those talks that ended up in Joko's book were probably given 30, 35 years, you know, yeah. a long, long time ago. Yeah. And when she had started practice in her 50s, mm -hmm. after a marriage with a husband who was psychotic, mm -hmm. in which she had to take her children away and take mm -hmm. care of them. Mm -hmm. So her ideas about psychotherapy and psychiatry and all that yeah. wouldn't be so kind. Were shaped and she saved her life. Yeah. in the life of her family through practice. Mm -hmm. And so once we begin to hear it, it's like, oh, you, suddenly kindness comes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then seeing her later in her life and realizing she was hungry for more and realized there's so much. Not that she was wrong. She's just hungry for more. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see further. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to be that 90-year-old. I want you to have those years. And right now, here's the fullness that you're living. And yeah. I'm glad we can connect when we can't be with you in person. Thank you. Yeah. And I so appreciated what you said about intimacy. That's the greatest gift we can give and receive, because that is absolutely true here. I think life. that's the main gift of the season, and actually what the season is about. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. The ultimate intimacy of the connection of heaven and earth, the divine and the human, I mean, the whole thing, you know, the great matter. Thanks so much for this conversation. Thank you for speaking to us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hey, Cass. Hey. I wasn't planning on talking today, but, you know, here I am. Um. Because you were talking about kindness and grief, it really came up for me. Um, I'm getting, you know, more information on the utter dysfunction of my childhood family. And my mother's brother has been diagnosed with COVID and been in the ICU unit for the last seven days and has been told that, or they're telling us that they don't think that he'll recover. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry you heard that. Um, and within the family like when they told me it was about a 15 second conversation like okay here's the information and now you have it bye and i wanted i was just like wait let's let's talk let's connect let's you know talk feel about the impact this. of this information feel the impact of this information you know and hold it together and that wasn't uh, an option that wasn't up for grabs well the family might ha not have that capacity I'm, I'm sure they don't. I mean, have a, I, what I mean by that, I don't mean they're failures as human beings. I mean, they haven't practiced that capacity to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was having conversations with my mom last night and she, you know, the first conversation was that little 15 second thing. And then she would call back like almost once an hour. She would call back, you know, a little bit of time, a little bit of time, a little bit of time. And so I knew that that request was in her uh -huh. and she was taking it like as far as she could. Yeah, she was uh, titrating it a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your, like your chemicals in your development. You know? <laughs> it's a drop. Yeah. Um, things, things could be clearer and you could see things more. She could. And, you know, and, and Kenneth and his family and his daughter and his wife and his wife has now tested positive too because they were living in a house together, obviously without masks. Um, and I'm just, I'm, it's like another eye-opening thing and I'm sad around the fact that this family can't do that or doesn't know how to do that. And when I offer it up, that you know it's still met with a door and you've broken the chain for future you you came out of that family and you could have been the same for oh yeah and yeah you, and you didn't you made a decision it's very sad that they might not have the opportunity to feel the kind of care and love that you want to give them mm -hmm. to leave your gift and you wish that they could give you that kind of gift, which has been difficult. But even so, if that never happens, you've stepped further. And so now you've taken 
your family possibility further. Yeah. Into the and world. and when I do offer it to them, I'm <laughs> I'm not attached to the outcome. And and you also don't know the outcome. They might not express it to you because that's part of the rule. Oh, it is. But it may <laughs> land and go somewhere else. Right. Right. Kind like mom like calling back later. Yeah, kind of like it also does with the teenager. They'll never give you the satisfaction of knowing that you touched them. <laughs> but they take it with them somewhere, you know. Yeah. So that's what's going on. And um, I'm so grateful for you and for our community and for everybody that I, I knew that I then needed to tell people and connect about it. And that's, you know, obviously one of the reasons that I raised my hand today. Sure. And... Um, in closing, I also wanted just to say how touched I was by Richie last week mm -hmm. and uh, just really enjoying all of that. So thank you. Absolutely. And the first thing I thought when I saw your name come up, the impulse before I could think was, oh, I want to be able to touch you. Oh, I want that so bad too. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> where's, where's the camera? There it is. <laughs> right. Thanks, thank Kathy. You. Bye. In between, we get to practice the remaining still part. <laughs> well, Josh was here, then he was gone. Now he's back. Well, it's a her. Oh, it's her. It's not. It's just Josh's <laughs> name showed up, but it's Trudy. I saw a, a message from Kim saying there's nobody, and I thought, well, that's just an opportunity not to be missed. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah. It's wonderful to see your smiling face. It's good to see you. Mm -hmm. I missed the talk because I was working, so I came down for for this and. Um, you missed yeah. the talk? Pardon? You said you missed the talk? Yeah, I was working till seven, so. Yeah, it was about being kind to yourself. Yeah, I've been having so many conversations and um, and, and visiting a lot, the idea of pointless wishing. Yep. Um, and visiting it for myself with pointless wishing and, and visiting it with other people around pointless wishing and I was thinking there's something about finding finding out what the wishing is trying to tell me mm -hmm. that could make a difference now rather than the outcome of the grasping wish what's its source yeah what does and it really that, want and how might it express itself now you know so rather than there's all this historical pointless wishing but you know, so if I had that pointless wish, you know, what would I, what would I wish for now? And there was a line from David White that talked about, um, it was on giving. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can often feel in certain circumstances a little gived out. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and he said when something like when you stop giving, you end the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of like, because I kind of got to a mm -hmm. certain limit of yeah. giving in, in one place. And um, I, I really, I wish for the relationship to continue. The um, reflecting on the season, I was saying the cultivation of kindness to yourself and offering kindness to others and receiving their kindness is the greatest gift in a season of giving. Yeah. That that breathes life back into our practice. Yeah. And, and I gave a short example of saying to someone one time who was, had pointless wishing <laughs> in practice, I said, you may not get what you want, but you can become the kind of person you want to become. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I hear you pointing to. Yeah, and that, it was feeling the kind of like, 
the, the stopping giving or the pointless wishing can be so contracting and there's something about, okay, how, you know, take that breath and allow myself to soften again and think, yeah, it's, it's, I want to be the person who wants to have a relationship. And if that involves giving, then. Yeah. And polish that quality. That's what I'll try and do. Yeah. Oh. I can hear it in your voice. I can feel it in your presence. And partly because I know you well, but it's it's it's, a, it's wonderful to feel it communicated that the relationship is alive. Yeah. Because of the kindness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, thank you for showing thank me all you. the kindness you show me. Absolutely, oh. and please uh, take it back to your family. Yeah, that's where I'm trying. <laughs> exactly. I can imagine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. Maybe we have just a moment or two more. Oh dear. Hi, Sheila. It's just a moment or two, so what shall I say? I don't uh, know. I laughingly call these times the, the lightning round, you know, the small moment. Let's of start time. Yeah. In psychotherapy, we sometimes talk about the last five minutes when everything comes up. What called you forward? What called me forward? Kathy's sharing about her mother's brother. Yes. And I'm wondering what Kathy, what's if, if Kathy could pinpoint what she specifically hoped when her mother kept calling back. What Kathy thought, yeah. Uh, yeah. What yeah. she wanted to give or receive and how mm -hmm. she could behave, uh, what do we call it, uh, operationalize that or behaviorize, you know. Well, one of the things I know about that relationship and I know about Cassie, I'm not sure how it relates yeah. to your question, is that Cassie is patient. And she and her mother love each other. Mm -hmm. And so she's willing to just stay and be present so her, her mother can come to her and then step away and then come back to her and come back to her. And that's part of what we're practicing in our zazen, the ability to stay mm -hmm. so that we can meet what comes and what goes and, and stay and be a center when others have a hard time holding a center. And that's, so that's probably coming. exactly what I needed to hear today. Great. Good. For me. Good, good. Well, take that. Take that with you then. Thank That's you. our zazen. Thank you. And then as we, since we're at the end of our time, I'll, um, and it, it, Sheila steps off, we'll uh, in, enjoy our, our chant. And once again, each time I encourage you to actually listen to the words relative to what we've just spoken about. Okay. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding into self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. I hope that you have a kindness that you experience and share, that you receive and pass around during this season until we see each other again. I'll gently step away and Kim will uh, offer a few final comments and also remind you of the bridge to small breakout rooms if you'd like to continue your conversations. Thank you so much. Take my love with you. Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. 
your support makes a huge, huge, huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org slash contribute. And afterwards we have an after inquiry meeting. And if you go to the Appamata calendar, you can find the link for that. And it starts right now.